department. But what's surprising to people is that I didn't go to school for computer science. In fact, I never took a course or even enrolled in a coding boot camp. And I didn't get into the field until my late 20s. So how did I learn to code without a computer science degree? And what can you learn from my story? Stick around and find out. I started back in high school when I discovered the internet and began making web pages dedicated to my obsession at the time, snowboarding. I taught myself basic HTML and CSS so I could customize my pages and fill them with animated GIFs and blinking text. Hey, it was the 90s, what do you expect? Looking back, it seems crazy that I didn't consider computer science or web development in school. But to me, it was just a hobby, and I assumed I would become a doctor like my parents wanted me to. But that didn't pan out, and instead, I spent the next several years struggling to figure out a path. What happened? In college, after dropping the whole pre-med thing, I decided to embrace my creative side and major in art. I graduated with a photography degree and got a job working in a commercial photo lab. The lab was fun and all, but it only paid $8 an hour. Also, the entire film photography industry was a sinking ship. Film was being phased out and replaced by digital cameras. Less than two years after I got there, the lab went bankrupt and things got bad. I was out of a job at this point with an obsolete degree and I didn't know what to do. Eventually, I found temporary office work, scanning papers, stapling, stuffing envelopes, and generally being a lowly cog in the corporate machine. Not the most glamorous work, but it paid the bills. Mostly. For a number of years, I floated from gig to gig and paycheck to paycheck, but one temp job I found ended up changing everything. One day, while scouring Craigslist, I found a job posting for a data entry position. I was comfortable doing computer work, so I applied for the job and was hired. The company was a small web dev shop that had multiple clients with websites. I started out doing simple tasks, like updating inventory in their computer system. But as time went on, my bosses started teaching me some back-end programming and database work. The job paid okay, maybe $10 to $12 an hour, but it was only part-time. I mainly stayed there because I was gaining experience in programming and learning some valuable skills. Learning programming was tough, but it was also rewarding. And I was getting good at learning new skills. For example, I learned how to find solutions on my own via Google. You see, my boss would get annoyed if he had to explain the same thing more than once. I learned that the hard way. I also took detailed notes to remember new things, especially if I'd spent a long time figuring it all out. Then the next time, I could refer to my notebook for the solution instead of Googling all over again, or worse, asking my grumpy boss. After two years working at that web dev shop, I had gained a lot of programming experience but I could still barely cover my living expenses. I knew I had to make a change, and that's when things really got going. After two years at the Craigslist job, I felt like I knew enough coding skills to apply to some actual web developer jobs. There were a lot of rejections because of my lack of experience, but eventually I landed an interview at an advertising agency. On the day of the interview, I ended up impressing the boss with my listening skills, note-taking, and willingness to learn. Everything went well, and they offered me a job. An actual job, with a salary and benefits, the whole nine yards. 
I'm pretty sure my mom did a cartwheel when I told my parents about getting hired. They were thrilled. But getting the job was only the beginning. Starting out in a new field is never easy. And after all, I only knew basic coding at that point. So how is someone who is essentially self-taught going to succeed in a fast-paced job like this? I'm going to be honest here. The first year of my new job was super stressful, and I struggled with imposter syndrome big time. My boss and coworkers had all gone to school for computer science, and some of them had even gotten master's degrees in it too. I was terrified that I would be found out and fired due to incompetence. And it didn't help that so much of my work required completely new skills. I would have to spend sometimes hours on tasks that I know my boss could complete in 30 minutes or less. Personally, I hate being bad at things, so feeling like I didn't know anything every single day kind of sucked. But I stuck to it and did what I always did. I googled. A lot. I always tried to find the solution myself before asking for help, and thankfully my boss was willing to point me in the right direction when I did get truly stuck. I ended up staying at that job for six years total, and over time, I became more competent and confident. I even got promoted to a senior level developer in year four. I learned a ton at that job, not just coding itself, but how to learn new skills, especially if you're self-taught. If you're learning to code, here are my biggest takeaways from my time there. First, I learned that I could figure out how to do anything with enough Googling. Of course, you might not be able to build a super complex app if you're still learning basic HTML, but you can build up to that eventually. I also learned how to reverse engineer code. I could study existing projects at my company, figure out how it all worked, and then turn around and use a similar solution for my new projects. You can do this yourself by inspecting the code in existing websites and finding projects on GitHub to learn from. Now, I'm not suggesting plagiarizing someone else's code, but learning the principles behind it so you can do it yourself. One of the biggest lessons I learned was that imposter syndrome is hard, but it really does get better over time. At some point, I was picking up a new skill almost every day. Combine that over all the days in the year, and it added up. So by year five at my job, I wasn't afraid of things I didn't know how to do anymore, because I could trust in my own skills to get it done. I've since moved on from that job, but I'm still working as a web developer today and earning a six-figure salary. I hope that my story can inspire you. If you're thinking about getting into web development, let me know your thoughts down in the comments. And as always, thanks for watching and keep on coding. Advice without suffering from information overload. That's why I've created this beginner's roadmap. It lays out all the basics you need to learn web development. We're going to go through each step so by the end of this guide you'll have an understanding of the basics of web development and what skills you need to learn. I recommend doing steps 1, 2, and 3 in order. Then, depending on whether you want to focus on more front-end or back-end, you can do steps 4A or 4B. I personally think it's a good idea for front-end web developers to learn at least a little bit of back-end, and vice versa. Knowing the basics of both will help you know if you like front-end or back-end web development better. Sound good? Let's dig deeper into the roadmap. Before you get into actual coding, you'll need to understand some general concepts as you start your journey into web development. How websites work, the difference between front-end and back-end, and using a code editor. All websites at their most basic are just a bunch of files that are stored on a computer called a server. This server is connected to the internet. You can then load that website through a browser, like Chrome, Firefox, or Safari, 
on your computer or on your phone. Your browser is also called the client in this situation. So every time you're on the internet, you, the client, are loading data from the server, as well as submitting data back to the server. This back and forth between the client and the server is the basis of the internet. Web developer roles typically fall into three categories, front-end, back-end, and full-stack. The terms front-end, back-end, and full-stack web developer describe what part of the client-server relationship that you're working with. Front-end means that you're dealing mainly with the client side. It's called the front-end because it's what you can see in the browser. Conversely, the back-end is the part of the website that you can't really see, but it handles a lot of the logic and functionality that is necessary for everything to work. One way you can think about this is that front-end web development is like the front-of-house part of a restaurant. It's a section where customers come to see and experience the restaurant, the interior decor, seating, and of course, eating the food. On the other hand, back-end web development is like the back-of-house part of the restaurant. It's where deliveries and inventory are managed, and the process to create the food all happens. There's a lot of things behind the scenes that the customers won't see, but they will experience and hopefully enjoy the end product, a delicious meal. Fun illustrations aside, both front-end and back-end web development serve different but very important functions. When you build a website, the most essential tool that you'll use is your code editor, or IDE, Integrated Development Environment. This tool allows you to write the markup and code that will make up the website. There are quite a few good options out there, but currently, the most popular code editor is VS Code. VS Code is a more lightweight version of Visual Studio, Microsoft's main IDE. It's fast, free, easy to use, and you can customize it with themes and extensions. Other code editors are Sublime Text, Atom, and Vim. If you're just getting started though, I'd recommend checking out VS Code, which you can download from their website. Now that we've covered some of the broader concepts of what web development is, let's get into more of the details, starting with the front end. The front end of a website is made up of three types of files, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. These files are what is loaded in the browser on the client side. HTML, or Hypertext Markup Language, is the foundation of all websites. It's the main file type that is loaded in your browser when you look at a website. The HTML file contains all the content on the page, and it uses tags to denote different types of content. For example, you can use tags to create headline titles, paragraphs, bulleted lists, images, and so on. HTML tags by themselves do have some styles attached, but they're pretty basic, kind of like what you would see in a Word document. CSS, or Cascading Style Sheets, lets you style that HTML content so it looks nice and fancy. You can add colors, custom fonts, and lay out the elements of your website however you want them to look. You can even create animations and shapes with CSS. There's a lot of depth to CSS, and sometimes people tend to gloss over it so they can move on to things like JavaScript. However, it's really important to be able to convert a design into a front-end website layout using CSS. JavaScript is a programming language that was designed to run in the browser. Using JavaScript, you can make your website respond to different inputs from the user or other sources. For example, you can build a back-to-top button that when the user clicks it, they'll scroll back up to the top of the page. As we mentioned, HTML, CSS, and JavaScript are the basic building blocks of front-end web development. In addition to them, there are a few other tools that you'll want to learn at this point. Package managers are online collections of software, much of it open source. 
Each piece of software called a package is available for you to install and use in your own projects. You can think about them like plugins. Instead of writing everything from scratch, you can use helpful utilities that other people have written already. For instance, you can simply use this slider plugin instead of having to code it all yourself, which could take days to figure out. Why reinvent the wheel if you don't have to? The most popular package manager is called NPM, or Node Package Manager. You can also use another manager called Yarn. Both are good options to know and use, although it's probably best to start out with NPM. In addition to package managers, you'll want to become familiar with build tools. Module bundlers and build tools are another essential part of the front-end workflow. On a basic level, these tools run tasks and process files. You can use them to compile your SAS files to CSS, transpile your ES6 JavaScript files down to ES5 for better browser support, run a local web server, and many other helpful tasks, saving you a ton of hassle if you were to try to do all these essential steps by yourself. Three tools that you'll continue to come across a lot are Gulp, Webpack, and Parcel. Personally, I like using Gulp for my own front-end workflows, where I just want to compile my SAS and JavaScript files and not do too much else. The last tool you'll need to learn about in this stage is version control. Version control, also called source control, is a system that keeps track of every code change that you make in your project files. You can even revert to a previous change if you make a mistake. It's almost like having infinite save points for your project, and let me tell you, it can be a huge lifesaver. The most popular version control system is an open source system called Git. Using Git, you can store all your files and their change history in collections called repositories. You may also have heard of GitHub, which is an online hosting company owned by Microsoft where you can store all your Git repositories. At this point, you've learned the basics of front-end development and have a choice to either delve into additional front-end skills or learn about basic back-end web development. With additional front-end, there are some more intermediate skills that you will want to learn. I recommend that you look at the following, SAS, responsive design, and a JavaScript framework. SAS is an extension of CSS that makes writing styles more intuitive and modular. It's a really powerful tool. With SAS, you can split up your styles into multiple files for better organization, create variables to store colors and fonts, and use mixins and placeholders to easily reuse styles. Even if you utilize just some of the basic features like nesting, you'll be able to write your styles quicker and with less headache. Responsive design ensures that your styles will look good on all devices, desktops, tablets, and mobile phones. The core practices of responsive design include using flexible sizing for elements, as well as utilizing media queries to target styles for specific devices and widths. For example, instead of setting your content to be a static 400 pixels wide, you can use a media query and set the content to be 50% width on desktop and 100% on mobile. Building your website with responsive CSS is a must these days, especially as mobile traffic is outpacing desktop traffic in many cases. Once you have the basics of vanilla JavaScript down, you may want to learn one of the JavaScript frameworks, especially if you want to be a full-stack JavaScript developer. These frameworks come with pre-built structures and components that allow you to build apps quicker than if you started from scratch. Currently, you have three main choices, React, Angular, and Vue. 